you mentioned that there's another guy that you have above the consensus. Who is that name? Is that one of those three guys or somebody else that you would put towards that, that top tier? Oh, Greg Newsom. Terrific uh, movement skills. Okay, then I'm watching him, like, challenge, you know, the ball in the air. Okay, he's doing great there. Then his off coverage, I'm like, wow. And then watch him impress, I'm like, wow, okay, terrific. And then just, like, the scrappiness, the cockiness, like, the, the confidence, um, the ability to play the ball in the air, like, no matter the size of the receiver, I'm like, man, this guy's really good. I thought he had good hips, change of direction. All that was good. I, I thought he could be a little quicker um, out of his break at times. I compared him to Jai Alexander, and now – I look at him as like a jumbo size giant. Overall, he's the most scheme versatile corner in this class. Blue wire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Rebuild. I'm Henry Ettinger joined alongside by Jordan Climac once again. And what you just heard was Eric Crocker a few months ago on our podcast talking about Greg Newsom, the Browns' first pick. Jordan, it was an exciting weekend starting with Thursday night, but Friday and Saturday also. It, Cleveland showed out for the draft. It was a great time. How you doing, my man, after this weekend? Oh, man, I am exhausted. I am tired. I'm worn out. But, hey, it's the draft, and that's what I'm here for. That's why, that's why we get into this business, you know, for, for moments like this. And you kind of hit the nail on the head. Like Cleveland showed out for this draft. Loved to see everything that came along with that. Like the city was alive. It's being downtown. Like it felt like a sense of normalcy. So it was cool to see that. And then Henry, just I feel like the whole atmosphere of the draft, like everything going around um, surrounding the draft, like it seemed like one of the funner drafts we've had in, in recent years. Maybe I don't know if like just the Cleveland aspect played into that, but like just the storylines of all the five quarterbacks going. Aaron Rodgers knew he was breaking before that. Like everything went into Friday night and then carried over through the weekend, or excuse me, Thursday night and carried over through the weekend. It was incredible to see and it was fun. I'm tired, but hey, it's the draft and uh, Bron's got some good picks, man. Let's go. They did. They did. At least that was certainly the consensus. And, and Jordan, I think the place to start is to go back to Thursday night. Obviously, we didn't record immediately after because of our other work obligations, mostly your other work obligations. I won't really throw myself in there, but it was an exciting Thursday night, as you said, from the get go. And ultimately, a lot of those moves with the quarterbacks arguably benefited the Browns, right? There was talk that the Bears yeah you know, could be in the market for a corner or, or one of the edge guys that the Browns were interested in. And they ended up, of course, moving up and taking Justin Fields. And that kind of changed the early 20s. Ultimately, long story short, the Browns don't move up. They're sitting at 26. And they've got a bunch of different options, including not only the guy they ended up taking in Greg Newsom, but, but JOK as well, who was on the board at 26 and ended up being taken even later than that by the Browns, but they had a ton of different options the way it fell. Ultimately, the Browns take Greg Newsom corner out of Northwestern. Yeah. Jordan, what were your thoughts when you saw Newsom was the pick at 26? So it's funny, like, you know, we've been on this pod talking about like the guys we love and I had talked about Caleb Harley and he was so close, so close to coming to the Browns. Titans got him at 22, but right when that happened, Henry, I was thinking to myself like, okay, if Farley goes now, I think Newsom doesn't go too long after this. So are the Browns, are we going to have to, are we going to have to trade up? Like I was working the phones, like trying to see how they're going to try and trade up, get Newsom. I was texting people like, Hey, let's trade up, get Newsom, like move up if you have to. Cause I thought 
We were going to maybe see another corner go before the Browns picked at 26. Didn't happen, fell to us at 26. And I really couldn't be happier with the pick, Henry. It's a, it's kind of exactly who I, I thought we would go after, kind of who I wanted to go after at 26, what he can bring to this defense, going to line up uh, alongside Denzel Ward. We'll still talk about all that stuff that goes into it because it sounds like him and Greedy are probably going to be competing for that second spot uh, in, in terms of cornerbacks alongside Denzel Ward. But just going back to Thursday night, like every it, it was played out exactly like you wanted it to for the Browns, and I just couldn't be more happy about how things turned out, Henry. Me, me either. It was I was against trading up. I I said that on on the last show yeah. before the draft and a couple times before, just because. But so so like even if like so you were against trading up, like regardless, or even like to go up maybe a spot or two to get Newsom if you thought someone else was interested, you were against kind of that whole scenario if it's a spot or two okay i i think there was a lot of talk about the browns trading up in the early 20s right because that's where the colts yeah. were that's where the bears originally were and there was some thought that that's where the run on corners would be in the titans too of course who took farley uh because all of those teams needed help in the secondary and the reason i was against that was just because i thought okay none of these guys are perfect players by any means they're not like can't miss guys when you're talking about late first round a lot of the talk pre-draft was you know, there are 15 really elite type players in this draft. And then after that, you know, 16 through 50, pretty similar. And in general, just the numbers, the history is going to tell you trading up is not the move. It's very difficult, right? Let the board fall the way it falls and just go, you know, based on the value there. Trading up, you tend to lose a value, right? In an analytics front office like the Browns, that doesn't seem like their MO anyway. But this is the argument for not trading up, right? Because they stood pat and then they still got their number one guy and arguably maybe their number two guy in the second round yeah. too. But it, to, you know, to start things off here with Newsom, I, look, we, we've rehashed this on the podcast before, but for those who haven't right. been tuning in for all our pre-draft coverage, I went to Northwestern. I watched every single Greg Newsom snap in college and I loved him. I, I, as I said, I have a couple of concerns about him but at 26, I thought the value was tremendous, right? And that's how I always want to analyze drafts is I am by no means an NFL scout. And even those guys are wrong so often that yeah. what I always default to is my first thought is the philosophy, right? It does this make sense philosophically for getting the player evaluation. And for me, yes, you address the team's biggest need. You bring in a guy who I think is exactly the type of corner you want opposite Denzel Ward if he works out and you didn't have to sacrifice draft capital to move up. And as I said, it, it had I, I liked it before we found out that, that the Browns were going to get JOK in round two. But the fact that I would say most Browns fans, if it wasn't going to be Newsom, we're talking about JOK as the other option at 26 to end up getting that guy anyway. I mean, this just worked yeah. out perfectly, which is why some of the you know, analysts have the Browns doing so well on this draft night. And so philosophically to me, this just totally checks the boxes in, in terms of what you would want process-wise. Now, the player, I think, is also very interesting. And we've, we've gone depth about Greg Newsom. He's one of the players I watched the most uh, ahead of the draft. And I think he could be a great fit, too. As I said, I am not an NFL scout. I am not going to you know, guarantee it by any means. But, but he's a scheme fit. He's a culture fit. He's a player fit as well. And that's got to make Browns fans excited. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, let's just go ahead and dive into it. Like, where, where do you think he sits in this in this defensive back room? Because 
like I talked about, like this obviously was a position of need. You kind of had a, pretty much everything other than Denzel Ward was a question mark. Obviously, you know, we bring in Troy Hill and, you know, I thought that, hey, I mean, maybe if they don't draft a first round cornerback, I mean, Troy Hill can be that guy on the outside. Personally, I like him more for his skill set in the slot. What he can do is that nickel corner. I think that's kind of where he fits into this Browns defense. So thinking about that, it's like, where does, like, who who's going to stand out? Is it going to be Greedy Williams? Is he going to be a guy who, you know, maybe he is healthy for once and he kind of shows out in training camp, kind of takes that spot? Or is it going to be Greg Newsom, who kind of, I think, is kind of the perfect counterpart to Denzel Ward and Denzel Ward's skill set as I like Denzel as a speed guy. He can cover the quick guys on the outside. I, I, we wanted, we've been talking about how we want a more physical corner, someone who can play press coverage at the line. And I think that Newsom fills that slot. Like Henry, I would be surprised if we don't see Newsom. I know it's early and I know like he was just drafted a couple of days ago, but I honestly think that I would be surprised right now if he's not that starting corner alongside Denzel Ward going into week one. I would be too. If he's healthy, which I think is really yeah. one of the biggest concerns uh, with Newsom. And, and I'm going to start with the negatives, but I'll get to the positives because I think there are a lot more positives than negatives. I think the two concerns are, are number one, durability. And, and then number two, it, the fact that he it gets his hands on guys and plays a pretty physical brand of football, which results in some penalties. So if he's healthy, though, I, I think he will be the number two corner opposite Denzel Ward for exactly what you just said. He, he's a big physical corner. He's going to get into guys. He also is a great scheme fit for this Browns team. He, yeah. We talked about the zone that Northwestern played in, and it was part of the reason Greg Newsom's a difficult evaluation, is he played tons of cover three zone. Well, Joe Woods likes to play cover three zone and apparently wants to play a lot more nickel and dime as well. So he's going to be heavy defensive backs, and Greg Newsom, I think, is going to fit really well into that. Now, press man also, Eric Crocker came on the show – and Browns fans, go listen to that episode and just, you know, the, find the Greg Newsom timestamp because Eric Crocker said, I, I see him as a great press man corner. He's smooth. He, he, he thought he, he flipped his hips nicely. He said, no, I, Greg Newsom to me is right at the top of this corner class as well in terms of press man coverage as well. So, look, Greedy Williams is certainly going to put up a fight if he's healthy too. But ultimately, I think Newsom right now is, is a cleaner player and – you know, he's a physical player as well. So I think he fits in really, really nicely. Yeah. And I think when you're talking about like how his skill set, I think that there's something to be said for if your skill set translates to the NFL game. And I, and I agree with you in watching a lot of that film where he's like, you know, he's, he's very physical. He's very touched with the guys at the line. Like he, in the interior point that could result in a lot of penalties and it did in college. But I think that we both agree that like, I feel like NFL refs are more lenient with that contact in the NFL. So I think that that translates to the NFL. I don't know if it will be as big of a problem, but it's definitely something to keep your eye on. They are certainly, I would say, more consistent, if anything. And I'd say probably more lenient, too. But Greg Newsom was a smart player. He makes instinctive plays all the time. He's one of those guys that when he will, like, come off the guy he's supposed to have in zone coverage – right at the right time to step up and like make a big hit on somebody and maybe jar the ball loose. He's very instinctive. He's very smart on the field. And so, you know, it's a classic stereotype, of course, with Northwestern players that they're very smart, but that translates to on the field with Newsom. You see it on the film. And so I think he'll learn the NFL refs, what he, you know, what he can get away with, what he can't get away with. And I like that physical style of corner because I think 
that that is how you really bother these receivers in the NFL. You press up, you disrupt the timing of, of routes. And so I do think Newsom's game is going to translate really well, which is why I think so many you know people like this pick is he does fit in pretty perfectly as far as what the Browns are looking for, assuming he's healthy, as I said. And yeah, I just I just pulled this up from Chris Trapasso because I read it on, on draft night. Chris Trapasso, the CBS Sports uh, draft guy who we've had on the show before. This is his description of Greg Newsom. Unreal smoothness, plant and drive freakiness, tenacious playing the football, great recovery speed and awesome ball awareness, nasty tackler, plenty long two, best in off coverage zone. Some injuries in college, grade A minus. So basically exactly yeah. what we were just talking about, right? A, the, the biggest concerns are the lack of reps in press man and the injuries. But another thing Browns fans are going to like out of Greg Newsom, because look, I, I love Denzel Ward and, and Greedy Williams. We know this is his reputation too. They're not exactly the most physical corners in the run game. That is not Greg yeah. Newsom. Greg Newsom right. plays the wood in the run game. He is, and that's part of the reason he has durability issues. He plays a very physical in the run game as well. He will light people up. Yeah, I got to say though, that, that like that was the, that's the only thing that really worries me too. Cause like in the NFL, these guys are stronger, they're quicker than they are in college. So like if you're going to be reckless in tackling, like, wasn't that kind of the issue for it? Like you kind of pointed out like Denzel and Greedy. It's kind of like, I feel like the issue for them was they weren't, they didn't have sound technique as tacklers. That kind of led to a couple of the injuries that, that, uh, that they have for uh, Newsom. It's kind of almost a different, like, I think he is a sound from a technique point and, and uh, standpoint in tackling, but to your point, it's the recklessness of, of the tackles where I was like, Hey man, like, don't, let's not go for the big hit here. Let's go for like kind of the consistent tackle and keep yourself healthy because Lord knows we need to keep that, uh, that cornerback room healthy because like if, if they can stay healthy, Henry, the depth in that room now where to where it was a year ago is night and day difference. And well, that's exactly what you need. Like, like think about this, like too, like everything that they, everything that the Browns did in this draft one, it was, it was speed and it was defense. And both of those things, in my opinion, it's, they're not doing this to beat the Ravens, Henry. This was, they're doing what they're doing to beat the Chiefs. They know who they have to go through in the AFC. It all starts with that speed. It starts with the speed in the open field. And that translates directly to trying to stop Kansas City. So I love from that standpoint that the Browns identified the, the, like we talked about speed, you can't have enough speed anywhere. And they identified that and said, hey, we know where we want to go. We know who we want to beat. And in order to do that, we have to get better on defense and we have to get quicker. And I think they did both those things. And it started with Newsom. Yeah, and, and that's why I like this pick so much is it just it, the value to me, you just don't get a player with this upside that fills a need like this. You know, corners obviously is, is a position that's valued very highly. There are two guys in the top 10. Newsom was the fourth corner off the board at, at 26. Usually at 26, you're not finding a guy that, that is, you know, listed in a lot of people's, you know, top 15, top 20 prospects uh, at a key position. But the Browns got that it, just because of the way the, bell, the, the way the board fell to them. And yeah. I think ultimately it, it might not work, but it, it's got just as good a chance as I think any player at 26. So here, here's the thing too, like just talking about how, how we address this draft, obviously the first two picks and we'll get to JOK in a second, but like the way that they addressed the draft in those first two rounds and really going forward with the picking up the defensive tackles that they picked up as well. Like Henry, talk about people on the hot seat. 
Joe Woods is on the hot seat. And I mean that from the standpoint of they went out and did everything that they could do. They got, they upgraded at pretty much every position of need on that defense this off season. Not to mention that they went out and got guys that were scheme fits into what Joe Woods is wanting to do. So if he can't succeed with this group, I don't know what to say, but I, th- I think he will, but he absolutely has to with what they've done this off season. He does. And I think though, that's a, a good job by Andrew Barry. And a testament to Andrew Barry right. is coming out of this draft. Everybody's like, okay, I saw a tweet from PFF today that said the Browns have a top 10 defense in terms of talent now in, in their eyes, right? Like everybody agrees on that. So boom, now you, now Joe Woods is in the fire. I think we all last year could say, Hey, there's, there's an excuse here. There's a clear lack of talent. And you can say, you know, you can only scheme up so much in that case. Well, now the, the talent problem seems to have been solved. It started with Newsom and it went with JOK. And so, yeah, we're going to have to see what Joe Woods does with that because he's got some tools at his disposal. And I think that's a great transition into JOK because he is really a Swiss army knife and was a surprise pick of this team after Newsom went to them at 26. So I, I was saying uh, literally I, uh, the, the day before the draft, I was like, he wouldn't be my first choice, but he can play safety. He doesn't necessarily fit the traditional linebacker mold. So, okay, if he goes at 26. Where they got him at 52. I mean, this was a this was the home run pick that, that had everybody so excited because he was supposed to go off the board so much earlier. I think I saw a stat that there was a less than 1% chance he was going to be available at 52, according to the, the numbers. And so, you know, the Browns were slotted at 59. They traded you know, up to 52 and basically moved back from the third round to the fourth round with one of their picks in order to go up and get him. And look, he does it all. I was talking with Jake Burns. He, you know, uh, before the draft on our last show, he he plays safety, he plays linebacker, he plays in the slot. He's all over the place. Andrew Barry already said they plan to use him like that. Jordan, what did you think uh, about the Browns trading back up to get JOK at 52? Well, first, I like I, I love the move. Obviously, like it's a great move. You you made the point that this was the home run hit, and it absolutely was. I was a little shocked just from the sense of Henry. Like you, it's hard to understand analytics and how they really apply to every situation. And like you and I were could both sit here and say like, hey, like linebacker, defensive tackle. Like I don't really know if those are the two two positions that you really want to focus on in the first round. I think you focus on the more important positions, the defensive back position, you know, edge rush, those kind of things, offensive line. Those are the positions that you focus on the first round. And like, so it was interesting to see that because like, like what was the value in it? And like, we, I, you know, I was on the media call with Paul DePodesta and he was kind of saying too, like, you know, analytics, like you, you, you wouldn't think that, you know, they would even trade up for linebacker, but he was saying like, Hey, like, we do trade up for linebacker. I think there was like some weird kind of narrative going along with this front office that they didn't really value the linebacker position. And this move kind of said the opposite that they do. So I was surprised from that standpoint, Henry, but absolutely thrilled for the pick. Well, and I think it goes back to what I, you know, was just saying there at the top, JOK is a linebacker, but he's kind of the modern version where he's more than that, right? I think what what in what analytics sometimes confuses people with is, is it's all about value, right? And so it's not that linebackers aren't important. It's that there are many of them. And so in order to be valuable, you have to do a lot of things, right? You The, the traditional linebacker that racks up a bunch of tackles, what people figure out is there are a lot of guys that can do that. What I think is unique about JOK is he's this kind of hybrid Swiss army type player that is good in coverage, can backpedal, 
can rush the pass, exactly. wind up at defensive end at times for Notre Dame. And that's why he won the Butkus Award in college is because he was all over the place for this team. And I think that's how he'll be used with the Browns. They talk about, you know, all the sub packages the Browns want to be in on defense. Well, he can be included in that, even though, yeah, maybe he's listed as a linebacker, but he could be included because he's playing a hybrid role where he's going to be at multiple positions. And I think that's why the Browns valued him so highly. And I think that's what makes him so exciting is, you know, there, there are clips with him, you know, running with the Alabama receivers, right down the field in coverage. And I, and yeah, I saw Jake Smith, Burns yeah. tweet out one of those where he's running with Devonta Smith and he can't, and Smith doesn't separate from him. And so that's the thing. It's like, that's just not something a traditional linebacker does, but it's something that he can. So here's what's interesting. So, like, obviously, I agree with you that, like, you know, and, and I think you, you made the point that Andrew Barry as much said that they're going to use him kind of in all these different packages and they use him all over the field. But obviously, he will have a primary spot where we see him in the most. Uh, I, I want to get your opinion on that uh, as well, uh, of, like, where you would, like, primarily see him. If, like, we're saying that maybe 60% of his snaps are going to go somewhere, maybe 20 somewhere else, and then 20 somewhere else, um, like where you would want to see that 60. And for me, that 60% would be at the linebacker position. And it is for that, and, and you know, that reason that we talked about, like to me, like Henry, there's times where I watched his film where he's running all over the field. Like he looks like a, like if you were just watching just him running on the field, like is this guy a running back? Like he's like the way he runs, like he almost runs like a running back. It's hard to describe, but if you see it, you would know exactly what I'm talking about. So just the way he's made, able to move so quickly across the field, I think that's so valued when it comes to coverage, when it comes to, you know, um, these nickel uh, packages that we're going to be running. Like, I just love everything he can do from a coverage standpoint, from that linebacker standpoint. And again, like how quick he's able to move over the field. Like he, he I think he's going to be really key in zone coverage for that reason. Like, so that's primarily why I would like to see him. And then you look at it like, yeah, he can play a little bit of safety too. Like, all right, the Browns are pretty stacked at safety, safety as it sits right now. Cornerback as well. There's, we're starting to add some depth there. So I think that he's going to slide in to that linebacker position primarily, and that's exactly where I would like to see him. I don't know if you come out on the same page or not. Yeah, I think you'll see the majority of snaps at, at kind of will linebacker, if you will. And then, you know, he's a little light, obviously. He's 215 pounds as a linebacker. So that's why he's kind of he, that hybrid role, which can I understand, you know, get – you into trouble, which is why he maybe fell, right? His teams don't know what to do with him. But for me, the reason it works for the Browns is in obvious passing situations, you know, you know, second or downs, especially, they're going to play a lot of sub packages where he'll be, you know, kind of like your fifth or sixth, like DB. So he's almost like a hybrid safety where he's in the box. Sometimes he's out of the box. You kind of can move him around on the field, but all as part of that sub package. And I, I think long-term, he could be a Ronnie Harrison replacement. Ronnie Harrison at that strong safety position only has one year left on his contract has is injury prone as well. So you mentioned, you know, we're stacked at the safety position. If Grant Delpit comes back healthy, I think that's true, but that could mean the Browns, you know, move on from Ronnie Harrison, given the fact that John Johnson obviously is going to be locked in as a starter on this team. So I think they can use him in plenty of different places. Hey, if Troy Hill needs to go outside, he can take a couple snaps in, in not yeah. a slot corner, you know, traditional slot corner role, but he can kind of run with receivers in certain zone coverages for a little while. So I think they're going to use him all over the place. And he can rush the passer too. He's got some sneaky good pass rush moves that I saw as well, you know, being tweeted out left and right. So I, I think he's an exciting player. Basically everything I read from people I trust is they could not believe he was available at 52. Nobody uh, understands quite why he fell that high. I mean, of course, there are the size concerns, but there's no obvious red flags 
other than that, you know, no medicals or anything like that, that, you know, really would steer you away from him, you know, where he fell all the way, like pretty deep into the second round. Yeah. And the other thing that's interesting too, Henry, you think about these guys and just listening to them talk in their press conferences and kind of just reading up on them. They're two very, very intelligent guys, well-spoken guys. Uh, one guy comes from, you know, Northwestern, obviously. And the other guy comes from Notre Dame. Like, I think those are two of the uh, kind of colleges where we're like, hey, like you actually are going to school and playing football, right? Like some of those other colleges, like it, it gets a, a little dicey there and if they're going to school and playing football at the same time, if they're actually going to class, you know how that goes. But I, th I think those are two that they do. And I think that that kind of fits into this front office and, and the people that they've sought out uh, after in free agency and in the draft. I think all, like we talked about, it's an Ivy League front office with Andrew Bear, with Dee Podesta, even Stefanski. Like, and I think that they're going for these smart guys, these guys that, can pick things up quickly. I think that's translated to everything they've done in the front office and everything that's starting to happen on the field. So I don't think it's a mistake that these two guys were coveted by this front office. Not at all. I, I think they match up exactly with what they're looking for. Also, you know, younger guys with a chance to develop, uh, as you said, and heady players that hopefully are going to do that throughout their careers. And I think that's, you know, that's that's the exciting part and why people rave so much about, you know, the Browns draft is is especially these first two guys, the, the ability, you know, to have just one pick in each round and to end up with two guys that people had graded really, really highly above where they were selected is what gets, you know, uh, the analysts so excited. And I think Browns fans as well coming out of this draft and who, yeah, uh, again, it, some of these hybrid guys have failed. I mean, it's not 100 percent success by any means. This is not guaranteed, but it seems like it would make so much sense with, with what the Browns are doing. So I don't know if you got a chance. Did you get a chance to hear uh, either the press conferences the night? Um, it would be Friday night for JOK and then Thursday for Greg Newsom, like right after they were drafted. Did you get a chance to hear any of that? I saw some quote videos, but I didn't watch either of them live. So I, I'm not sure I saw the whole press conferences. So these guys, both these guys, and you probably know this as well as anyone. I mean, just being close with Northwestern, but like, Greg Newsom is a dog. Like he is yeah, a dog, he is. man. Like he is going to fit into this defense so perfectly. Like just watching his press conference, they were asking him, like, hey, like, you know, you were mocked high in a lot of these drafts. Like, did it bother you that you fell to 26? And he was like, it bothered me that I didn't go number one overall. Like, that's what he said. Like, he's he's one of those guys mm -hmm. that is just has that confidence. And like, I think that you know, I've heard from we we hear from Eric Crocker on this podcast. You know, I work with Rod Cherry daily, and like these are two guys that like I think they talk about like that mindset you have to have to be a successful corner in this and in, in the NFL. It's kind of that dog mindset, like you have to be a cocky cornerback, like you have to think you're the best to succeed. And I think that he brings that. And then hearing the same thing from JOK, like, man, he had all the right things to say. And like, I just think that both these guys have a certain mentality, a certain dog about them that they're going to bring to this defense. One, they are going to be fan favorites. I just think they're going to fit in perfectly, Henry. I, I think so too. I, I think so too. Uh, I, you know, I, as you said, I'm familiar with Greg Newsom. He, he, de he's a player. He's a Midwestern player through and through. The guy's yeah. from so the Chicago area. He went to Northwestern. He plays that physical style of football that, that, that people come to expect in the big 10, you know, and of course, you know, many of these people that listen to this podcast are also Ohio state fans and have probably seen some of Northwestern Ohio state in the past. Northwestern plays physical and Greg Newsom was very much part of that. And JOK as well, playing for Notre Dame. Uh, you know, everybody's seen him as well on national TV a couple times. And he brings, uh, I think, that same ferocity to the game. Jordan, one pick I didn't like, and it's the last one I want to go in depth on. It is <laughs> didn't the like third it? Round. 
is the third round pick of Anthony Schwartz. And I, you know, I've gone back and forth with some people on Twitter. I was not a fan of, of this pick. Jordan, were you a fan of, of drafting the speedster Anthony Schwartz out of Auburn? Henry, I was very much a fan of this pick. Like I, we did the podcast recently where we talked about like, hey, like out of, you know, the other positions that aren't really of need for the Browns, like what would you like to see them draft? Henry, I sat here and I said, I want them to draft a wide receiver, wide receiver, but particularly a guy with speed, a speed wide receiver that can open up the field, kind of do things in like the trick play area of the game, kind of take reverses, do that same kind of thing that Odell is able to do, kind of just stretch the field, open up, because I talked about this offense was so good last year, so good in play action, and the two things that just weren't available for the Browns was the deep game and the deep game off of the play action, which is insane how good they were at succeeding at the play action and the bootlegs and the nakeds and all that. So like if you're able to add that element of, of opening up the field and who knows how much he'll even, how much playing time he'll see. I don't know if he'll fit into like a special teams role, how that's going to play out because the Browns are pretty loaded at wide receiver, but just to add more speed and everything he can do, I think he was the fastest player in his draft. I saw videos of him running where it like, it looked fake. It didn't even look like he was running so fast. I was like, is this real? Like, is this guy actually running that fast? If you're able to add speed in any part of the game, Henry, I think it succeeds. It's kind of like when you talk about in the NBA, like, Hey, if you can shoot, you're going to have a place in the league. Well, I think in the NFL, it's kind of like, hey, if you have that kind of that groundbreaking speed, then you're going to have a place in the NFL. So that's why I was happy with this pick. Here's why I, I, I've been pushing back a little bit with Browns fans. And I, I will fully admit, if I am wrong on this, I think I'm going to look extremely wrong because I think the upside <laughs> is very high here. But here, here are my issues with this. Philosophically, to start, I you know I've never been that high on the Browns drafting wide receiver in this draft. But if they were going to draft one, I was hoping for a long-term replacement instead of for Jarvis Landry or Odell Beckham Jr. Assuming one of those guys is not on the team next year, which I feel like is a pretty safe assumption at this point, I was hoping they were going to address that. And I feel like Anthony Schwartz does not really do that, and but, because and I so I feel like he's kind of like a wide receiver four or five, who's just like. A gadget. So I kind of feel like they prioritize like 10 to 15 snaps a game with this gadget guy, who admittedly could be a great gadget guy, as opposed to getting somebody who I think could be a long-term foundational piece uh, as part of the wider receiver room. And now, they, you know, the pushback would be, well, who is that guy? Exactly. I'm not entirely sure, but I think in the third round, you're looking at a lot of quality players there. And maybe it's not a receiver at that point. Maybe you wait until round four or five and, and go get you know, the, the Oklahoma guy, Perkins, uh, you know, to beef up the edge, uh, you know, with Tack McKinley being the main guy out there right now. So that that was my biggest thing. Is it felt like this was like a guy who's going to play 10 to 15 snaps and we took him in the third round. Yeah, I get what you're saying. But at the same time, Henry, do you think that we were going to find someone in the third round that like could have came in and been a guy that you're going to rely on for like years to come? Like, I don't know if he was out there. Like, do you have a certain amount of names? Because, like, if you're but, but, but from that we're taking a swing, is like that guy existed, but he was existed in the early in the first round, maybe in the early second round. You saw Rashad Bateman go to uh, the Ravens. Like, I those guys existed, but they were early. And we talked about like we don't want to waste a, a pick on a wide receiver, and like when we have those guys right now that high. So like, if you're not going to waste that pick on that guy. I don't think you're going to find him in the third round and below. That's why I'm happy with just getting the speed guy and keep. Keep just adding the fast guys. I think that's kind of the way they looked at it. I don't, I don't know who you were going to be able to find. I don't know if you had in mind, uh, a couple of names in mind, but. 
Look, Josh Palmer went right before the Browns, so so he would not have been available. So, as I said, there wasn't a specific receiver I had circled, but I think there are clearly guys of value in the third through fifth round that, that come, you know, come through all of the time. And so, to me, I would have rather seen the Browns take a swing on an edge guy there, as I said, or another corner, Melifon, who was still on the board, Elijah Molden, who I think could have fit in to this Browns secondary as another piece, who was still on the board. To me, I just don't, like, as I said, the upside of this pick is potentially high, but I feel like the, the I, I this, this type of player also just doesn't excite me, frankly. Like, I just don't think, like, the gadget guys, like, often work out very well. And that's my bigger issue, too, is, like, feel like, Short was clearly a great gadget guy in college, but I feel like these guys fail a lot in the NFL. Yeah, I feel, I, I, I think I know what you mean, but at the same time, it's like, the Browns, like I get what you're saying about the edge. They didn't even draft an edge guy in this draft, Henry. So they, they went offensive tackle. They they went running back. And like, those are kind of, that's kind of like how the rest of the draft shaped out for like, so was, is there either one of those positions that they drafted like an offensive lineman or a running back or something like that, that, or a defensive tackle? Like, like, do you think that they should have prioritized one of those positions over going wide receiver here in the third round? Like, cause I don't have a problem with it. Like if I, I think that I have a problem with it, if you're relying on him to come in, and you have to rely on him to be someone like um, important in this offense. I don't think you have to do that. That's why I don't have as much of a problem with it. But going back to that original thought, like, did did you think that we should have prioritized offensive line? Um, Ed, Edge Ed no. really would have been the position yeah. or more secondary depth okay. as well. I, I just, uh, but yeah, Edge probably would have been the one for me just because. Look, clearly the Browns front office loves Tack McGinley. There is, there's, that is, that is a secret that has long been out. But I just, I, I am not in love with Tack McKinley, and, and so I would have loved to see them take a swing there. Uh, to me, uh, when you're in the third round, you're, you're drafting for the long term, you know, for two, three years down the line, somebody you can develop, and somebody, you know, people may say that that Anthony Schwartz can do that, but I think he's just got a. I mean, I had a ton of, of room to go there. And admittedly, I didn't watch any film on him before the draft. I've only watched, you know, a, a very limited amount at this point. But everything I read is he basically does not run routes very much at all. His hands are subpar, which also concerns me quite a bit. And although he's very fast, he didn't have a lot of vertical catches. It was a lot in the screen game, a lot in the jet sweep kind of thing. And so all these Browns fans are like, oh, well, he's going to take the top off the defense. He's going to take the top off the defense. Well, he didn't really do that in college. So and maybe he will, but that's going to have to be an adjustment for him. What he did do in college very well, absolutely, 100% is the screen game. He, he had 29 screen catches, and he, uh, he I know the PFF number said he is fantastic in the screen game, and I understand that, and that will be a great part of that offense. But to me, that is just not really worth a third-round draft. Yeah, but just because he didn't do it in college, I don't think that there's that means that he's not going to do it in the NFL, right? Like he's not going into. I mean, and that's not like call for what it is. It's not like Auburn had a good offense by any stretch of the imagination last year, and that's like he's not line, going up and lining up in that Auburn offense with Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry on on each side of him, right? Like yeah, those are two guys you have to pay attention to, and if you're gonna put extra attention to those guys, he's gonna get a one on one matchup maybe in the slot, maybe somewhere along there. And I think that that's when you're really going to start to see a speed. But I get, I, I agree that he's going to be used a lot more in that like jet sweep screen play action type of type of scheme. But like, I don't, I don't know. I just, I, I, Henry, I just think that anytime you can add speed like that, I just think that you're going to find a way to get it on the field. And, and find, we're going to, I think there's going to be one or two plays where you're going to see him and be like, 
holy shit, that was crazy. Like, I, I just feel like that's going to happen. And if it happens at a big moment and we don't have to rely on him, then like, we're all going to be here for that pick. So like, I, I get what you mean. That Like to me, I agree that that was probably like the most questionable pick that happened. I know a lot of people were mad that they didn't take a defensive tackle there, but at the same time, it's like, I don't know who you were going to take there at the defensive uh, tackle position. The Browns did obviously end up adding Togiai from uh, Ohio state, but like, I don't know if you were going to take him that early. So I, I don't know. I, I think it's just one of those things where you got to let things play out, Henry, because the thing that I'm going to go back to more than anything is I trust this front office. I trust Andrew Barry. I trust what he's doing. So if he's doing it, I'm going to sit here. I'm going to support it. I'm going to say, I trust it until he proves me wrong because quite frankly, he hasn't yet. And the two drafts and the, going into about the year and a half that we've seen of him. And, and as you said, maybe that that's the right reason to do it. And as you know, there is an argument for what he can provide, but it just, oh, there were red flags for me going up all over the place. Just the last, the last, my last point on this will be the, some of the weaknesses in his NFL.com profile. Six of his 170 total catches went for touchdowns, consistent issues, tracking and adjusting to the long ball. Instincts as a pass catcher are below par. Focus and hand strength have been consistent issues. I mean, to me, those are all just like the red flags. Like, uh, here's a comparison. Like, Ohio State fans will be very familiar with Paris Campbell, right? Paris Campbell had a lot of those yeah. plays in college where he took like the jet sweeps and just blew everybody out of the water. I just don't see those plays a lot in the NFL. There aren't a lot of well, guys. He's been that hurt. Do he's that. been hurt. But, 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 okay, so if it's not him, though, who is it? Like, Tavon Austin's, like, not really in the league. Like, I just don't see these guys that, like, unless they're a more complete Yeah, but you see, that, like, those – I don't feel like I, those I don't guys know exist. I, I, I don't have the information of where Paris Campbell was drafted off the top of my head, but, like, Tavon Austin was a high draft. Like, I'm, like if, you're, if you're drafting a guy that's, like, that, that high, and I guess you could say the third round is high, but to me it's really the first two rounds that you really have to knock out of the water, and really it's kind of – five six and seven as well where you have to kind of find gems those are like the important rounds three and four i get like i don't know it, it just wasn't that big of a stretch to me so and and, we're, and we got to think about it too like we're, like we're, the reason we're over analyzing things like this henry is because we needed these guys in previous years like we're not used to yet these guys that we draft not having to contribute not having to be important players right away so i think that the bronze fans kind of get stuck in that mindset of saying like hey we drafted this guy like hey we need him to be good like right the second for the Browns. Like, no, a lot of these guys are going to be projects, and that's how it's going to go moving forward. And I think Schwartz fits right into that category. If I'm wrong, as I said, I'm going to be very wrong <laughs> because he has obviously unbelievable speed, right? And so if he develops into a, you know, if he develops into a route runner, if he can, you know, improve his hands, which all is difficult, has been done before, then I'm going to be very wrong because he has the physical trace and, and it's clear that he does. And it's clear that he has some ability in the screen game. He's got great feel for it. That all is true. But I, I, there were a bunch of red flags for me. As you said, it's not the most important pick by any means. I loved this draft for the Browns and we're going to into some other players. I loved in this draft for the Browns, but to me, this is the one where I, I just did not get both the philosophy or necessarily the, the player. Jordan rounds four through seven, though, you mentioned it. That, that's day three. That's typically 